Welcome to Technado. Hey, everybody out there in TV land, welcome to another episode of Technado. I'm your host, Dom Pizzette. Filling in for Sophie, who's out this week. She's actually over filming another <laughs> course. Um, so I'll, I'll take over the helm on hosting uh, the, the show that I, I know something about, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> We're already off to a spectacular train wreck. Right, this is the best, <laughs> best opening ever. Uh, joined by my, my, uh, my guest host, Daniel. That's me. Thanks for having me today, Don. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Hey, thank you for being here and bringing value to the podcast, yeah. as you always do. I'm sure. <laughs> And I also have a special guest in who's, uh, I guess, technically also filling in for Sophie, is we have <laughs> Wes Bryan, who's, yeah. uh, you've been on the show a few times. Absolutely. So this is Tech NATO, the uh, Lowered Expectations. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go off on a tangent right here at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my son will frequently ask me, why did a company do this or a company do that? Why did they make this movie or that movie? And I'll say, do you remember... Spaceballs 2? No. You guys have seen the movie Spaceballs 1. Oh, of course. And in there, they announced Spaceballs That's 2. Right. That's right. The Search for More Cash. The Search for More Merchandising. Merchandising. So, uh, so you know, <laughs> this is this is Technado. The Search for More Money. That's it. <laughs> Do we make money off of Technado? No, we really don't. we got to work did. on that part. Yeah. It's like the, really that. <laughs> the South Park underpants gnomes, right? Step yeah. 3, and then Step 4 is profit. Yeah, we haven't profit. figured out Step yeah, 3 yet. That big... Definitely have to think over your your mission statement and your business proposition there. There we go. That's what that's what we need. That's, that's our it. that's where we're failing. We there don't we have go. a mission statement. We should have a meeting about having a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Technado goes corporate. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, we do have a lot to get to today. We're gonna follow our normal format and start off with our news segment, but we just like Wes just got back from attending RSA mm-hmm. uh, week before last, right? Yeah, yeah, out in California, San Francisco at the Moscone Center. Man, it was absolutely awesome. There was so many people out there. Yep, and San Francisco is such a beautiful city, such a, an amazing mm-hmm. aroma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I call it sad and beautiful, all wrapped up in one big package. <laughs> yeah, what's that package smell like? <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about tech and cybersecurity news here in the first half of the podcast. In the second half, we're going to get Wes to tell us a little bit about some of the things he saw at RSA and the up-and-coming technology in the cybersecurity world. So it be a lot of fun. So let's dive into our tech news. We're going to start off with, uh, with Microsoft because they have not learned their lesson. Uh, Microsoft Edge will soon hijack Outlook and Teams links by default. Uh, Microsoft has announced that in a soon-to-be-released version of Microsoft Outlook and Microsoft Teams, when you click on a web link, instead of launching to your default web browser, which would, you know, make sense, it will instead launch to Microsoft Edge, no matter what. Uh, does does it start with like a landing page of a middle finger? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it seems like should yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, basically, and then redirect. <laughs> they've been getting pretty bad about this. I don't know if you guys have experienced it. Uh, I know Daniel use a Mac mostly. But oh, you don't want to get me on Microsoft. <laughs> so yeah. it seems like every time they push an update of Edge, it offers to update your settings, like mm-hmm. to turn all the telemetry garbage back on. Mm, yep. And you have to tell it, no, leave my settings alone. I, I've probably had to do that five or six times. And it's a lot of times it's right after an update. 
right? Yeah. So they've integrated all in the update. You're you're on update patch Tuesday, and then the next thing you know, it says you've been upgraded to the latest stable version of Edge, which is an oxymoron. But uh, and now we uh, we get to go through our settings again. Yeah, and if you don't like this. Which totally makes sense. Uh, if you don't like this, well, the first time it happens, it'll take you to edge, no matter what, right? No, no stopping that. It'll take it edge, but you'll see a little pop up that'll say, "Oh, did did you want to use you know the browser that you already picked? If so, click here, and it'll give you the instructions on how to turn this off. It won't turn it off for you. It'll just give you the instructions. So it it really is Microsoft giving you the middle finger. I mean, there's no other way to look at this one. <laughs> so it makes me think of back when we started, like back in the day. I remember came down from on high. We're going to remove the games from the Microsoft product through GPO, right? Like so, basically, blacklisted uh, solitaire. And, and, yeah, solitaire and free sell and all that stuff, right? And then I was like. Well, what am I supposed to do during my day now? <laughs> so I just renamed all the EXEs to something that wasn't freesell.exe or whatever, and then I could play them, and it was fine. Or you move them out of the folder, you make a copy of it, and it's just self-containing EXEs. It, can I do the same kind of thing with Edge, where I rename Firefox Edge.exe or whatever, and then I got to worry about it anymore? Sadly, you can't. Those days oh, are over. Yeah, now man. it's all checksums. Damn it. Signed libraries and all that mess. <laughs> all that security <laughs> stuff gets in the way. Uh, really but pissing on my parade here, Don. You know, Microsoft, they have earned so much community goodwill in the last couple of years with their their investment in open source and GitHub and and their I mean the, the crazy funds they pumped into Chat GPT and stuff. But it seems like they just can't help themselves that uh, you know, with the I mean, I'm trying to think of all the different things they've done to piss us off. So, I mean, first off, there's <laughs> there's the, you know, making it hard to change your default web browser to yeah. now just ignoring what your default web browser is. They're like, okay, we, we're we going to make it easy to change your default web browser, but we're going to ignore those settings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, we gave you what you wanted. You set your default browser to whatever you felt like. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean we had to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. It's You're... frustrating. Now, for me, I don't, I haven't used the desktop Outlook app in forever. The web-based version mm. works fine. And if you're in the web-based version of Chrome mm. and you click a link, it's going to stay in Chrome because you're already there. Uh, but Teams, on the other hand, the desktop version of Teams is better than the web version. So that one, I use the desktop. Question, can I break Edge so that when it tries to run it, it just breaks and then runs to my default? That's a good <laughs> question. You could use those same blacklist policies you were mentioning a minute ago yeah. to like, like blacklist block edge. edge. There you go. Yeah. Right, go into the secure, mm. yeah. The local policy editor, right, yeah. And yeah. There yeah. you go. I imagine you could do that. See, we got to work ways around <laughs> Microsoft in there. I'll yeah, keep you honest around. here. I'll yeah. open up local group policy. We'll figure it out. Yeah, do it. Show. Let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one's annoying, and uh, it's it's coming out. It's scheduled. Uh, they said that uh, they are looking to push this one out in the next month or two. So there will come a time in the near future where one day, if you're using the desktop version of Outlook or Teams and you click a link, it's not going to go to your default web browser, unless your default browser is Edge. Can you right-click on the link and open with and do it that way? Or copy the link and just slap it in your browser and... Well, yeah, but I'm just I'm, looking for ways around this, Don. This is how my, my mind works. That so way. at that point, you know, uh, what they want you to do is, is you click the link, you go to Edge, and you yeah. say you don't want to. Right. And then you go back to Outlook, and in Outlook settings, you can tell it, no, use this other browser. Okay. 
But you know, I'm just thinking of when that goes away. Why? Yeah, because apparently have, that's coming. Why have a default browser option if, if you're just going to ignore it? If you're going to go app to app to set anyway? Yeah, it's bullcrap. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Yeah, um, you know, Microsoft's been pushing out a few weird things I'm, on my phone. I, I don't think we talked about this because we mm-hmm. we don't normally talk about phone stuff, but uh, I do actually use Edge on my phone, hmm. and uh, they pushed out the Bing Chat GPT thing right. into the phone. Well, I have a uh, like a muscle memory or a pattern that I follow where I see the web page and at the bottom I can quickly pull up my bookmarks. Yeah. Well, they put the Bing thing in place of the bookmarks icon. And so now I've got to go to like a menu and favorites or whatever. I have to do like three extra clicks. Oh, that's fun. Because of Bing that I'm not going to use. So and they didn't so, add functionality. They added dysfunctionality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing they love better than to kill your workflow. I mean, this is, this is we shouldn't be surprised, honestly, right? Because think about... The operating system itself, Office, every time they release a new something or other, they move everything all over the place. And then you got to relearn where it all is and then take their tests so that they can give you a new certification on the new platform. Microsoft has been doing that for a long time, though, managing two in their interfaces. If you look at it today, we got the traditional control panel and we got the newer Windows settings interface. And you'll, you'll click on things in the Windows settings interface. And it'll open control panel. Yeah. It's like it, so I just one or the other. Panel, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm really amazed by that every time it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost always with sound settings. Right? Sure. I end up in the, the old control panel. and uh, Or if you want to change your power plan or whatever. Mm-hmm. It has been years. When, when did Windows 8 come out? Oh, I was like, what, 2010? 20, yeah. T- All right. Somewhere around yeah. there. So like 12 years. When Windows 8 came out, Microsoft was saying everybody's going to touch screens. We need yes. touch enable. The Metro UI came out. Yes. And that's when they started messing with the control panel, right? Yes. 12 years. In 12 years, you couldn't rewrite the stuff that was in control panel in the new settings app? Listen, Don, they're getting to it, man. What's your hurry? I, I, mean, <laughs> I know they need backwards compatibility, but... Come on. That's 13 years because it was uh, October 26, 2012 when it was released. Okay, oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. remember the, the whole tablet mode and everything, yeah. and then you yeah. had to switch and learn how to switch back and forth so if you I were on a workstation. I actually station. used uh, my, oh, a Windows 8. I never used it one time. Bless your heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got, I mean, there's still companies out there that are on Windows 7, right? Yeah. Oh, You're, no, there shouldn't be, right? Windows shouldn't 7 should That doesn't mean there's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess our lesson here. What, do we have a moral from this? Yeah, like I'll Microsoft do a is... showdown search for Windows Seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there two million instances of Windows Seven on the internet? Well, you know, I uh, I mentioned Chat GPT. I want to visit that again, uh, and we are going to do that in our next segment, which is who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah. All right, this week's data breach is brought to you by the fine folks at ChatGPT. We have talked about uh, ChatGPT and some of the risks there. We've talked about how uh, hackers have been using it to write malware, which is kind of entertaining. But, and we've talked about how companies are accidentally loading their intellectual property into ChatGPT and and leaking data out. So we've talked Mm -hmm. about that. But now... It's just a straight-up traditional breach. Hackers were able to gain access to some ChatGPT systems, allowing them to view the conversation histories for random people. They couldn't pick, so it was just like random samplings of conversations, as well as gain access to some payment details for 
the five people like myself that actually pay for ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> you pay for ChatGPT? I do pay for it. And I have your login. Uh, <laughs> well, you get the you get the you get the ChatGPT four, right? So you get yeah, the upgraded. It is the nice greatest. one. That's why I pay for but, it. But when they say chat history, are we talking about uh, your your prompt queries? How you yes. so they're seeing those? So you and come up with the latest and greatest. They can just export those and use them for themselves. Yeah, and and uh, I think I made a joke about this before. Prompt engineer is like a new emerging job. Sure. Like knowing the right prompt to use with ChatGPT can get you significantly better results. Mm -hmm. uh, so seeing somebody else's prompts can, one, tell you about that person and what they're doing, uh, compromising their privacy and so on. Uh, but two, it can give you techniques that you might not have had access to before to, to get better results out of ChatGPT. Wow. Sure. And how about the companies that are actually kind of laying over their products? Over. Yeah. AI engines like this, now they potentially have their information exposed. Right. And the intention here is if if they're just using the ChatGPT API and, and doing calls, then then that's their own fault. Like That's that company's fault. They shouldn't have done that. Instead, what you're supposed to do is license the model from, Chat G, or from uh, OpenAI, and then you can train it on your data as well in a proprietary data model that you keep yourself. Okay. Right, that isn't available in the general chat GPT. So that's the result. Like what you're describing, Wes, is when companies are not using chat GPT the right way. Okay. But okay. tons of companies are doing it. Okay, yeah. So so it's not the fact that they haven't given you some tools. People aren't use, yet leveraging those models. Yeah, or you know, if you are Samsung, because I think this did happen to Samsung or Sony, one of the S words. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Samsung where they they started using ChatGPT or some of their internal employees were doing it and they were doing it with free accounts. Mm. And so whatever you do in a free account, that trains the model. And so you're leaking data out. That's not how that was intended to be used. Mm. So you know, if Samsung is going to use it, they should be buying it, having their own private trained model. Uh, but this is where we get into shadow IT. How do you stop your employees from doing stuff like that? You hit them with your car. <laughs> 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 they will never do that again. I do not condone violence. <laughs> By the way, we have a job opening. <laughs> so the question is, how do you track if people are using it other than some of the traditional things? Like, for instance, you don't want people going to YouTube on your computers at work. Like, yeah. do we start blacklisting everything? So this is not a AI like generative. This is not a new problem. This is an old problem, sure. right? Okay. How do you know if some of your employees haven't set up a WhatsApp private chat group? Right? You could have 50 employees that all signed up for WhatsApp and the IT department doesn't even know about it. And they did it via the web browser, so it's not like you see crazy ports open or anything like that. And now they've got end-to-end -end encrypted chats and you have no visibility into it. You have no idea are they pushing out company secrets. Mm. If an employee leaves the company, they still have access to that WhatsApp group. Like, how do you stop that? Um, That's threat, not an easy thing to do. Threats of violence. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if we, we know how Dan does you're it. doing this, mm, <laughs> it's going to be bad. Uh, now, from what I understand, um, the breach itself was through an open source library that they were using to connect to Redis. Is yes. this correct on this? Yeah, Redis, super popular amongst Very. web apps, right? Because if you have to track session data. When a user closes their browser and opens it again. Right. This it, makes it fast. Yeah, and or if they you know open multiple tabs and so on, you got to be able to track that session. Redis does a great job of it, very fast, cache the sessions. Uh, and there was a bug where if they would interrupt a query at just the right point, 
that it would actually feed them data from someone else's session. Mm. And that's that random part. Like they couldn't pick somebody, but if they could abuse the system enough, they could possibly get data from every session. Which is interesting though, because right, this is a this is an open source library. This is something that anybody could be using and people were just re or I'll say researchers, we'll call them attackers because they they did an attack. They found that in that open source library there was a flaw and they were then able to interface through ChatGPT to gain access into that library and exploit the flaw that way. And according to this article, it says that attacks on open source libraries have increased by 742% since 2019 because of this very reason. We have increased our use of open source libraries yep. and therefore going, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're done. You're part of a, a, a large-ish corporation. <laughs> <laughs> What's the policy on using open source libraries? Uh, you know, so first off, yeah. for companies, you have to understand the license of that library because some of them say if you build on top of it, like right. you've got to release your code too. Oh, right. And, and so there, there's exactly a legal right. obligation that happens there. So you got to be careful with it. But otherwise, for a corporation, you'd be a fool not to use some of these libraries because they're already made and you didn't have to pay for them, right? right. Um, but there was an XKCD comic. If you're, if you're ever oh, bored, yeah. look for this XKCD. one. XKCD, it's number 2347, and it's called Dependency. And what it shows is like, you know, it says all modern digital infrastructure, and it shows all these big blocks. And then there's this tiny little block at the bottom supporting the whole thing. It says... A project some random person in Nebraska has been thanklessly maintaining since 2003. <laughs> and that's how it works, right? Like that that person in Nebraska, maybe one day they just say, all right, I'm done. And they yeah. walk away. And so now you've got a library that hasn't been updated in years and has yep. vulnerabilities in it. Um, but at a minimum, like huge companies, IBM, Cisco, Microsoft can depend on these libraries Meanwhile, this person hasn't made a dime off of it. And that that's the open source world. That's that's how it works. Well, wasn't there like a while back, we did an article on somebody that was maintaining an open source repo and they like hosed it or oh, did yeah, on purpose. They, they like they totally debagged yeah. out and like, well, I'll teach you make a bunch of money and not spin any my way or whatever the case was. I forget what it and was. And that was now. one where some people were like, he should go to jail for that. And yeah. th there is an argument there. But yeah. from his perspective, he's like, hey, I've been doing this free thing yeah. all this time. And uh, F you, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah. Good times on that one. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, use open source repos responsibly and with caution. Unless you work for J.P. Morgan Chase. Because apparently the article also says they're restricting employees' use of ChatGPT. Well, and they should. Yeah. Like, if you're a hospital, if you are, you know, finance, financial, insurance, sure. Yeah. Anybody that deals with PII, like you don't want that data leaking. Sure. Out. That's that's yeah. a problem. So that's I definitely. should put take down a website. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You you know, that's probably the real lesson to learn here is like not that ChatGPT got breached because people yeah. get breached all the time, yeah. right? It's you cannot trust a service like ChatGPT to keep your data private. And it's really tempting to give these AI systems a lot of your data because then they make better suggestions and better recommendations. But that is a double-edged sword. Yeah, it is. And if you live by it, well, you know the rest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you have to remember with like GDPR and all that, uh, if you have data on a person from Europe 
and you feed that into ChatGPT, well, ChatGPT just became a subprocessor for you. Yeah. You just handed data to a subprocessor without the customer's authorization. Didn't Italy like ban the use of ChatGPT for a while and because for a little they while. were worried about privacy concerns? Yep, just until the bribes came through and then they opened it back up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the check cleared, so I guess you can come on in. <laughs> and, and, I don't think I'm held to journalistic standards here, but just to be clear, I do not know for a fact that bribes were handed off, but it sure was odd. <laughs> they banned it for like seven days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the guy that banned it started driving around in a brand new Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> they can get those locally. <laughs> no import tax on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a strange world out there, but, uh, but yeah, so be careful with ChatGPT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our final article of this segment, which is a, uh, a chance for us to revisit something we reported on in the past in Deja News. Deja News. All right, way back, if we get in our time machine, way back in 2016, the chief information security officer for Uber majorly screwed up and covered it up. And got caught a few years later after Uber was sold to a private equity firm or somebody like that. Um, and then went to court and got found guilty. And he just got sentenced. So let me let me kind of uh, refresh everybody's memory on what happened. So in the early days of Uber, when they were still in startup mode, uh, flush with billions of dollars in investment money, they had a breach. Hackers got in and compromised their full set of data. The hackers then extorted Uber and said, hey, if you pay us $100,000, we'll keep this on the down low. And the uh, the CISO at the time, whose name I'm completely forgetting, uh, oh, Joe, Joe Sullivan, mm -hmm. uh, he said, okay, we'll do that, but we've got to kind of keep it secret. So we're going to treat this as a bug bounty report, and we'll pay you the $100,000. We'll have you registered as like a security researcher and they paid out the hundred grand to keep it hushed and then it went away well a few years later when they ipo'd i think is what actually triggered all this uh, it came to public light that they paid out this money and that there was actually a breach that they did not disclose so the uh the ciso got sued or you know got picked up on charges for that lost was found guilty for covering up this breach and was sentenced. Now, if you had to guess, I guess both of you have read the article we read at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to guess, like, what is the sentence for covering up a data breach? I, I think we've talked about this I would have said jail time. You'd think. I, I would think jail time. Especially with a company that was publicly traded where you have uh, basically lied to your investors. I mean, it's People a People have gone to jail Don. Yeah, <laughs> Uber obviously doing well financially. The investors, uh, I don't know if they've ever gotten a dime out of Uber. Are they profitable? I have no idea. They're still around. <laughs> there's, there's that. <laughs> What's Uber? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, uh, I know the ride-sharing market is always up for, for tumult as, as various regulations are passed. But, uh, but basically, this guy got three years probation and 200 hours of community service. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to run up against some of these uh, cyber crime fraud laws. Not, not that bad. <laughs> really, in the general scheme of things, uh, three yeah. years probation. Hide it real good, and then as long as it's far enough removed, you're, you're good to go. Hey, three years from now, it's off your record. Yeah. 
200 hours of community service, I'll go pick up some trash on the highway. Shoot, he probably gets to like that much community service by like, you know, holding a banquet or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Spaghetti dinner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they should send us some to drive Uber. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you must be an Uber driver until you've worked out. You believe out. this was an, uh, setting an example sentence? Because this doesn't seem like this happens a lot where somebody's actually charged and goes to jail or has some kind of reper- repercussions here. Is this something that's relatively new or is this something that we're going to see a lot more of? If, if this is the example, we are screwed. <laughs> so, right? so I reread the article like three times because I thought I was misunderstanding it mm-hmm. when, the, when it said, if I have a similar case, this is quote, if I have a similar case tomorrow, even if the defendant had the character of Pope Francis, they would be going to prison, end quote. Judge William Oryx said during the sentencing on Thursday, quote, when you go out and talk to your friends, to your CISOs, you tell them that you got a break, not because of what you did, not even because of who you are, but because this was just an unusual one-off, end yeah. quote. So, so here's the the deal. The the judge wanted to sentence jail time. Okay. Right. But the breach and the cover up happened prior to the IPO, and the investors who would have been inf- uh, affected made a ton of cash in the IPO. Gotcha. And so, when you make the joke about it being a victimless crime, it kind of was. <laughs> I mean, the the only victims are the Uber customers, right. Whose data was leaked out. But who cares about yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, right? that was already probably out those, anyway. Just little people. <laughs> there was another. There was yeah. another breach they were all involved in. So as long as the investors didn't get affected, but that's what led to this super light sentence. So this hopefully is not a example of what it's going to be like in the in the future. Gotcha. Because um, there was a cover up. Now where I get a little concerned is this guy got fired from Uber, yeah. right, and then went to be the CISO for Cloudflare. Oh yeah. And yep. Cloudflare, kind of a big player, handles yeah. the majority of the world's internet traffic. Um, and then he left in he left Cloudflare in 2022 so that he could spend time in his trial. <laughs> As you do. So uh, I don't know if he's going back to Cloudflare <laughs> or not. Now that he's in the clear. Yeah. yeah. They're probably like, I'm back, baby. Well, Get my seat ready. Anyhow, I got stuff to cover up. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all didn't open that file while I was gone, did you? Yeah. That'd be, uh, that'd be now, bad if you did. <laughs> it's easy for us to. Uh, armchair quarterback this one right well it's weird because like i've seen companies get breached and they did everything they could like even before that they had you know what they thought was proper security and then you know the hacker just found some roundabout way and got in and breached and and off they went you know and then they went before a judge and the judge was like you've done wrong and they're like we did everything we could you're like jail (laughs) you're like whoa how, how you know, I don't get it. I don't just don't well, pretend to understand. At a minimum, it seems like this would be pretty easy to apply to ransomware. Yeah. That if you pay the ransomware and don't report the breach, right? That's effectively what they what did. What they did, yeah. Right? So could you get three years probation and 200 hours for paying a ransom? Now, if there was an actual uh, like legal the penalty for yeah. paying ransoms... That would put an end to ransomware. Oh yeah! Like if, if nobody felt safe, no, I can't pay it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm yeah. not legally allowed to pay the ransom. I mean, then a lot of it, cyber insurance companies would be going out of. <laughs> it, it's totally punishing the victim, though. Yeah. Right. Like yes. It, 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 that that's the world we're in on this. Yeah. It's a shame. But 
I think we just turn off the internet, call it a day, I right? Like it. I like Kill it. switch. Shut it, it down. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> Pull a hammer and let's go home. All right. Is that plan A or plan B? Where, <laughs> yeah. where we had on that I one? tell you what, I have been I miss the old internet, the internet that we grew up on yeah. where it was just random sites of random things. Yeah, blinking text and dancing hamsters. Yes, yes. It was this odd it was PT Barnum at his best. And it was fun. And now it's just like thing <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's time to uh, revisit that ethernet over avian carrier yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right a pigeon oh that's cruelty to animals yes yeah. that's Can't true do that they love it <laughs> they love it <laughs> <laughs> gives them a sense of fulfillment in life <laughs> All right, guys. Well, those are the uh, tech news articles that we're going to be covering this week. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned because when we get back, we're going to move into what Wes experienced out at RSA, some of the exciting new cybersecurity things that are on the horizon. Stay tuned. We'll be back after a brief message. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for staying tuned, and we are ready to move into the second half of Technado. I managed to keep Daniel and Wes with me I'm here. I'm chained to the floor. I, <laughs> I don't think we were supposed to tell them that. I don't think we're going to get to eat tonight. It's, Cut that think, part out. Why do you think we have that curtain on the front of the table there? It's a, can't see. <laughs> we hobbled you like in misery. Right. Yes. <laughs> don't touch the penguin. I, I love I love when, he, when, when uh, James Conn, right? Yeah, James yeah. Conn is like, don't. Don't please. I'm, like, <laughs> and then she's like, you got to learn. <laughs> that movie is over the top. It is rough. All right. Well, um, <laughs> what, what is the transition from that exactly? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, let's hobble our way on over to what <laughs> Wes learned at RSA. <laughs> All right. Well, Wes is our unofficial roving reporter this year. We sent him out to beautiful San Francisco to attend RSA, uh, where he had a chance to meet and interact with a ton of people. And I asked him to bring back the coolest stuff that he got a chance to see while he was there for, for those of us who couldn't make the trip, we can live vicariously yeah. through Wes. Um, and so he, he picked out a couple of things. And the first one is about chat GPT. Obviously AI and stuff is a really big topic out there. Uh, and so what we're going to talk about is ChatGPT and the next generation of machine-based attacks. Wes, what did you learn? Yeah, so this session was was great, and uh, I'm sure it's no surprise that there was a lot of talk about ChatGPT. In fact, Dan and I were kind of talking uh, before we started, and uh, I would go past booths, and you would see ChatGPT screens open, and they were given some kind of demonstration. But this one was really interesting. Because what it was focused on is what we hear so many people talk about is that, yeah, it's, it's this great invention, ChatGPT. We can use it. We can utilize it for good things. But then, as we know, it's got a, a very big scope for misuse. And one of those is, you know, the, the, the ability for it to generate 
malicious code, right? And I'm sure that you've seen that. And some things like, for instance, how you can bypass some of the security controls that are in it by what you ask it to do rather than asking it for something malicious. You can maybe restate it as a tool and it would generate that or doing things like code obfuscation was another big. You could say, chat GPT, can you take this code and obfuscate it for me? Or depending on how you manipulated your uh, query there, and it would do that. Uh, and one of the things that they were talking about, you know, around code is that you'll see a lot of more code reuse because of that. Uh, and it's something that we've got to uh, be aware of. So th th that was one of the starting things. It, it was around the ability to generate the malicious code. Interesting. Yeah. I actually saw a meme, I think, today, and it was how... Um, all these artists are kind of complaining about the open AI platforms like Midjourney and whatnot and Dolly too that are that are creating these these artistic things and they're saying well they're, they're scouring the internet and they're they're stealing actual art and then using AI to modify it so it's it's really it's just art theft right and then it's a, so it had like a crying guy of like ChatGPT stealing my art and then it got to the coders and was like it's like I stole your code it's like so did I. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what coders do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, if you get outside of code, just art in general, yeah. you know, people go to art school and what do you do? You look at all sorts of other people's right. art and you learn styles and techniques and exactly. so on. Um, I don't want to get too far off beat with technology, but there was a whole Marvin Gaye estate lawsuit where. I didn't hear about um, this. Uh, Alan Thicke's son, what's his name? Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke. Yeah. So he did that song. Well, I'm totally screwing this. I was not prepared for this moment. <laughs> Good story. Uh, Good story. <laughs> White lines stuck in my yeah. head, and that's not it. It's, blurred uh, lines. Blurred lines? Is yeah, that it? All right. Uh, so the Marvin Gaye estate sued, saying it sounded too similar to Marvin Gaye's music. Gotcha. Not that it copied it, but it sounded similar. It was in the style of Marvin Gaye, and they won that lawsuit. Did they really? Absolutely. Dude, so, I'll tell you what. Copyright law ain't no joke. Yep. <laughs> so you take that to code. And when you yeah. could feed any code, you could steal legit straight up code, yeah. mm -hmm. feed it into chat GPT and say, obfuscate this or just rewrite it a little bit. And right. you know, how are you going to get hit for copyright on that? Yeah. Um, but when you talk about malware or whatever, so if, if you feed malware into chat GPT and say, obfuscate this, mm -hmm. couldn't on the defensive side, couldn't we just feed the obfuscated code in and say, de-obfuscate de this? Like, yeah, it, I mean, that's what, that's what malware analysis is, right? Sure. So the de-obfuscations are only useful to humans, honestly, where we can go, oh, this does this. What's difficult, I, I, I kind of guess this is where you're going with that, is like we, if you're, if you have AI built into your EDR platform or whatever, could it de-obfuscate these things, right? What's weird is like, it's, it's not really how it works, right? So the way obfuscations were, now some of it probably could, right? Because there's obfuscations that are very simple simplistic because maybe you use like base 64 could ai unbase 64 that stuff absolutely very easily yeah right what's weird what what's difficult is when you do something like uh encryption the code is encrypting itself using you know the the point of time that you are right now is the encryption key that can't be predicted by right see you have these yeah. multiple different layers that the, the ai platform will eventually be able to do but at that point you're already done Right. So, <clears throat> yeah, we could deobfuscate these things. And that's what they're trying to do. But the malware writers is what kind of West is going to is like, it just makes their job easier to go, hey, instead of me having to figure out how I need to effectively obfuscate this to bypass EDR 
capabilities. Do it for me. Mm. So, Wes, did they did they give us any advice on what to do, or are we just screwed? I think we're just screwed. Uh, you know, <laughs> just uh, don't uh, don't connect anything to uh, networks anymore. You know, the other thing that was really interesting about this is that pen testers were leveraging it to do generate attack simulations. Now, I don't know how mm. this is happening. This is beyond me, uh, but they said that that could also be you know because if you can generate an attack simulation, it's the intent behind it, right? That really is it malicious or is it something that you want to use as a tool for right. your I was going to say, right? how you know? often has it been that like administrative tools are the same tools that attackers use and yeah. vice versa? Yes. Right? Yeah. And that was another thing too, is testing and breaking the security controls that they say are built into chat GPT is the fact that, hey, we say, uh, you know, build me a piece of malware. Well, I'm sorry, Wes, I cannot do that. Well, build me a tool to identify malware. Oh well, right. the, the way you've manipulated the you, you know what you've said. Another one again was the social engineering. That was a big one. Is the fact that um, you know conversational threads. You can be in chat rooms, and those chat rooms can look like you're actually communicating with a human. So it would lead you maybe into you know releasing more information. You know, as part of social engineering, because what you see, you would um, maybe not be so inclined to think that it's a chat job. Uh, yeah. chat so I think that's probably like the biggest So I've, I've had chat GPT generate code for me and usually it sucks and doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It gives me the right idea. Mm. It just doesn't implement it very well or working. Right. And I have to go, Oh, okay. I see what it was trying to do. I can read some documentation and fix this, but it definitely kind of like answered a few of my questions really quickly in generating that code. And now I can just go in and refactor and make it happen. What's, What's the real danger to me is like, what's the number one way that hackers gain access to systems? Fishing. Social fishing. engineering. Fishing social fishing. engineering, right. Uh, big what's blanket. the number one way we figure out how to not get hit by social engineering? Look bad, for bad, bad grammar. Yeah. yeah. They're usually not English-speaking yeah. native speakers. Right. So they, they mess that stuff up, and we go, well, I mean, I doubt highly that Billy Ray put this this way. Uh, it's, I mean, he's horrible at English. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's that bad. He got all the way to the fourth grade. He's got an achy, breaky heart. He does <laughs> indeed. <laughs> right. So we pick up on those cues really, really quickly. And now they can just run to chat GPT and go write me in this, in an English speaking way, a note that says this, yep. and it doesn't seem malicious at all. I'm just, you're just writing a note that says, Hey, we've had a data breach. Please click the link below to, you know, check your account, make sure everything is fine. Love. You know, Facebook or whoever. Sure. If you if you want to see this in action, just Google for a sample ransom letter. Yeah. And go to ChatGPT. Here's the prompt you use: rewrite this for clarity. Yeah. And then provide the ransom letter, and it will rewrite it. And and there you go. That that's the prompt you use. That's interesting. And I'd like to give these speakers credit too, because they did all the speakers that I've seen were really good. This is a Greg Day. He's VP and Global CISO for Cyber Reason. And then the the other gentleman, he was a student at University of Virginia, uh, Mr. Paul Van. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our next topic. This one uh, is a little more vague. We, we just talked about phishing and social engineering, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so this next one is patching the human element. Yeah, there was this one actually came right. This uh, the speaker here. He was the. Uh, it's uh, I'm going to murder his last name. I apologize. Greg Concepion, I think, is how you say his name. Special agent and analysis coordinator for uh, the FBI and Paul McComb, intelligent advisor for NISOS. I think I said that right. N I S O S. Um, they were talking about you know how we 
we leverage a lot of the software and the technical technical aspects of our security, but do we really do our security patching for the human side, right? Uh, them being the largest asset, the largest threat. They started pulling in some of the information from all of these breaches that they had, and a large majority of the incidents that they found were all coming from insiders. Uh, so that was all focused around the insider. Didn't have to be intentional, because right? right. we know best of intentions, worst of outcomes can happen all the time. So uh, that was part of it. Um, they focused on things like IP and data theft. Uh, again, unintentional. You talk about jet, chat GPT, the social engineering platform sharing that information. Internal sabotage was something that came up for this. And then things like uh, accidental disclosure, right? So I, I thought I thought this was really, really funny because now we're focusing on, uh, you know, the human aspect of it. And there were all the basic that we talk about implementing, you know, limiting privileges, privilege of least access, implementing things like, you know, role-based access control, all, all the buzzwords, right? Let's get them all here. Let's see if we can get the advertisements <laughs> out for the marketers, right? DLP, data loss prevention, uh, identity and access management. But what I really liked about this is they added an additional layer to that, and that was things like pre-hire vetting. Uh, right, really focusing on the human aspect, you know, setting the expectations or the behavioral expectations for the employee prior to coming onto the company. Uh, this is a new one, and you guys probably already know plenty about this. You can help me out. I'd never heard of this, and I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I don't know what the acronyms pronounced, and that's uh, uh, a rarity for me. But it's user entity and behavior analytics. I'm Yubia, Yubia. Yeah. I think I don't even know how you pronounce. But anyways, U E B A using AI and ML detect anom anomalies that are essentially against the base deviation, right? So things we think of things like, for instance, risky log on, right? Well, you just logged in five minutes ago from Gainesville, and now you're logging in from Pakistan, yeah. right? We, I, those I've heard are called like the impossible log on. In, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just bringing in and leveraging AI to detect those anomalies. Um, other things too, which uh, I thought was con uh, consider was con you know interesting. And Dan, I know you probably uh, this is right up your alley. Is constant monitoring of social media and dark web monitoring for you just to see what the adversary, you know, wh what's the adversary's view of what yeah. they can see and open? Uh, oh, what's it? Um, Open source intelligence, yeah, uh, yeah, OSINT. Well, right. yeah, I mean, it's the dark web is a is a fun place to go, and if you've never hung out there before, I don't really recommend yeah, a don't. lot of <laughs> time and effort spent in that area. But a lot of these companies nowadays are offering dark and deep web monitoring for your data, so they have feelers out there on these forums and stuff that are on the dark web that will attempt to search for and find out whether or not do you have. You know, if I was trying to breach into XYZ Corp, anybody out there in this forum got got some data from that, you know, some some data breach. And if someone raised their hand, they go, ah, that sucks. And they let you know at XYZ Corp, hey, by the way, you've got a problem. Sure. <laughs> yep. And that's what a lot of the vendors out there were talking about. I mean, you put threat in front of anything and they were selling it, right? You know, threat <laughs> modeling, threat yeah. intelligence, threat analysis, threat, hun threat hunting, uh, all things that were on there. Um, here's something that I hadn't heard either. Employee sensing session. It's a fancy word for saying, we do surveys <laughs> and we get employee feedback. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, that's a marketing gimmick for yes, sure. Employee yes, sensing, sensing session. Listen. And I read into it and I was like, did you just say you hand out surveys? <laughs> RSA is a giant marketing. Oh, it was too. Like, yeah. Hey, man. Well, I was expecting, oh man, this is amazing. What is 
Oh, it's a it's survey, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, they come up with all this threat this threat that. You know, sure. got these cool names and everything like that. And ultimately, it's just a bunch of booths going. Please buy our AV EDR Soar Seam product. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and a lot of it. That's what it was. And how oh, are you different from the other? Too. Yeah. Well, how are you different from the other company? Well, we have AI. They said they have AI. Yeah, but we got different AI. It's <laughs> it's different. Is it better? So, I don't AI, know, but it is different. RAI goes to 11. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the, the one that got me the big buzzword this year was uh, a lot of them, it's not EDR anymore. It's, it's XDR. XDR. Yeah. Oh, wait. I don't second. know what the X stands for, though. X? You know? Um, oh, it's probably everything. Everything. Is it a variable? Yeah. Oh, extended detection. Oh, oh, it's extended. There we go. Okay. But uh, you know, EDR was the big thing for a while. Now it's XDR. Oh, very good. It'll be just the same damn thing. That yeah. they changed to XDR, so because EDR can get bypassed like super easy. It's EDR with ChatGPT stuck on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we asked ChatGPT whether or not this is something bad. <laughs> so, Don, I know that you've been, you know, uh, a technology officer, and I know that you've done things like, for instance, end I've user done a security lot of training. That I'm not proud of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about all those things. Yeah. <laughs> but um, remember that time in Tijuana? <laughs> <laughs> there was that time in the Everglades. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things hand. they say with a defense in depth is that. The outer layer is like uh, policies, procedure, and awareness. How hard is it to bring awareness to end users? Like not not people that are sitting around the watering hole that sure. have a mindset, but so the 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 challenge with that is it's not a one time engagement, right? Sure. So if I train everyone in the company today, so they're all familiar with the information security policy. First off. We're probably going to hire somebody tomorrow mm-hmm. that's not trained, right? So you right. got to keep up with that as you have employee turnover, new people come on board, they've got to be trained. But also, people just don't remember. Yeah. So a month from now, somebody clicks on a link in a phishing email, they they didn't catch it, and they clicked it, and now it's it's a, a an issue, right? And that, that happens even if they've been trained. Hmm. And how many employees are really going to go and read our information security policy? I know I didn't. <laughs> so our policy, which I have absolutely read every single bit, and every yeah. time it gets modified, I sign off to approve that modification. So I know every single bit of it. But, I mean, it's 100 damn pages. Mm. I, I don't expect everybody on the team to have read that. And that's why we do our end user training, where it's just a one hour. I talk to people, explain to them what their obligation is, and that's that. That that works. But, again, it how long does that last? So there's there's been a long debate in the cybersecurity community of should we be building better, more secure systems so that we don't have to worry about our end users being end users? Now they've got a system that they they can be themselves in and it's so safe they can't mess us up. Or should we be really focusing in since they are the quote unquote weakest link? Focusing on getting them trained, getting them to understand that they have a part to play in cybersecurity, and it doesn't matter what job role they have in our organization, is that they could be the linchpin that causes a data breach. Yeah, let's take technology out for a second, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'll just give you an example. The U.S. highway, or actually any road system, Mm. right? Car accidents happen every single day. Tens of thousands of people die every single year in car accidents. Do we... Put training in place. Yes, you have to get a driver's license. You do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have? It's a one-time thing. <laughs> well, you have to renew, right? Yeah, but um, you don't take a test. We got to pay some money, though. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> at least, man, I think we should make them do the test because there's some sucky drivers. Well, there. <laughs> I think that if it was possible to create a system that was end-user proof, yeah, 
it would be the automotive system, like you, you right? Because people are dying like crazy. That's Ransomware true. sucks, but you're not dying. It's true. Um, <laughs> and so I don't, I don't think it's possible to build a safe system here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that I mean, I think it's too dangerous. Obviously, it's both, right? I mean, you can only you can only secure your system so much, right? We spend a ton of money on securing systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, RSA is a huge conference that is built around the idea of here are things that can help you secure your system. And then we also train our users. I think that the problem with end users isn't so much that they can't understand the technology, they can't understand what they can do to help and uh, and have real tangible things that they can do to help. It's that they don't give a damn. Yeah. They don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, not, that's not like a slight on them. That's not something bad. You know, uh, one of the things you got to do is get the buy-in from them so they go, yeah, yeah, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to help. If you can find a way to overcome that hurdle and get them to invest emotionally and mentally into the security of your system as an employee. So a cultural thing. It's a cultural yeah. thing. Yes. This will go the longest way, in my opinion, to helping secure networks on the end user side of things. It's a great point. I mean, do you think the clerk behind the counter at the DMV gives two craps about the cybersecurity posture? No. <laughs> Nor does he care whether or not you get a license or That's right, or if it's faster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the government. All right. Yeah. Uh, let, before we before we get censured. Yeah, by, uh, I'd just whoever. like to welcome Agents Brown and Smith. To Not saying no fly list, look, but... Looking forward to seeing you in the FISA court. Let's, let's jump to our, our third topic, our yes. last one here that Wes brought back for us, which is hybrid Active Directory attacks. Now, Active Directory attacks were a real hot issue about four or five years ago at RSA. What's a hybrid attack? What does that mean? And so, so what they're talking about? Uh, so, this was from De- Derek Melbourne, VP of Product Enga- uh, Engagement Outreach from Complex, Quamplex, if I'm saying that right, Q O M P L X. And one of the things he was talking about is how uh, identity is the new security boundary. And I, I was really interested in the fact that he said they would talk to a lot of people and say, hey, "We don't have Azure AD. We've got Microsoft 365." Hmm. <laughs> oh, and not realize that it was and not, and, oh, and not realize that it's back. So, yeah. um, with identity being the heart of every organization, and more and more companies embracing hybrid infrastructure, it became it, there. There's more of a necessity to to know more about the Azure Active Directory attacks and some of the ones that probably you guys have seen for years uh, that have um, been around. Right, implementing things like privilege access management and multi-factor authentication. Uh, while they're good, we can't rely on them anymore. We can't say, "Hey, that's what's going to." Secure, you know, because there are additional things, and and he did pull in some kind of uh, some really cool kinds of attacks and stuff, you know, things like we've been dealing with for a while, things like guest membership issues, right? People are you know creating guest accounts. This is one I didn't hear about. I don't know if we want to get into any of the specifics, you know, but um, privileged uh, SID history, right? Uh, the the fact that when you have a merger and acquisition of two different Active Directory domains, you can have potential for privileged SID history to be able to be scraped and then used against the system as well. But the biggest thing I thought, this is back to the Azure part that you were talking about in the hybrid, is um, I've used the Azure AD Connect tool to synchronize on-prem just in, you know, in demonstrations for some of the courses I teach. You know, it creates the two highest privileges accounts in Active Directory, on-prem and 
in Azure. It, it would have to, right? To, yeah. In order to synchronize it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So with, if somebody compromised that account, they could take the entire password hash file and dump it out uh, to the privileged accounts in Active Directory and Azure Active Directory. Uh, it's a login. It's seen as a user. It's pretty heavily secured, though, isn't it? Like, uh, doesn't it rotate its password every six hours or it, something ridiculous like that? It might, but what he was saying is that they, they, they're they trying to move away from Azure AD Connect now, and they've got a, t a technology called AD Cloud Sync. And what it does is something of the same, but it doesn't create these privileged accounts. And, and there were some other ones that were in there as, as well, too. But uh, that was the big thing uh, that I was uh, that I really took away from that is the fact that you know companies might not even be aware that they're using Azure Active Directory because it's not in their mindset mm -hmm. too. So being you know being aware of as we we see more and more companies embrace embracing these type of type of deployments, it's going to be important to uh, be aware of some of those um, threats that we see inside of Azure Active Directory. Yeah, I'm I'm a little skeptical on this one. Like, mm -hmm. anytime you have two systems you have to synchronize, obviously your synchronization account is going to be a, a high privilege, sure. Uh, and a high value target. Yeah. Right. right. Um, I don't I don't view that as like an AD issue. So subbing in whatever their product is mm -hmm. to sync, I, that, that just becomes the new target, right? We're just kind of <laughs> right. Okay, so you're just trading hats. Yeah, yeah. Just move the goalposts, right? But they're, they're absolutely right mm -hmm. that when you engage with a cloud company for anything, you don't necessarily know all mm. the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And Azure AD is just a great example. Mm. You sign up for that Office 365 account, and it's so simple to get that stuff <laughs> going. Uh, or my, my favorite is you uh, you know, you know, start leveraging Teams, and you go, oh, hey, in Teams, I can create a tab that's a wiki. Not realizing that behind the scenes, there's a whole freaking SharePoint site that's powering that and mm. all the cumbersome infrastructure that goes along with that. Like your your attack surface just increased exponentially <laughs> oh, yeah. by an order of magnitude uh, just by creating that one wiki tab. <laughs> and that's stuff that people do without, without even thinking about it. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, it just tells you we need vulnerability management, right? And then stuff you got to do. It's not something you can just be like, yeah, if we got to it and we get time, we'll, we'll make that happen. You have to be checking your assets Checking for vulnerabilities, seeing where they lie, do your pen tests, all the stuff. You know, checking the assets, that's a that's something where I, I've yet to find a good solution that uh, like we for asset management? Yeah. So like at our day job, mm -hmm. we we use AWS for a lot of our infrastructure. So when when customers log in, employees log in, it's it's almost all through AWS. Well, if somebody accidentally spun up an instance in the, I don't know, some crazy Southeast Asia region <laughs> of AWS, we don't necessarily get an alert about that. Like when a new service is added or spun up inside of that account, it's in the API logs. We can we can see that it happened if we go and look for it. But uh, but it's hard for us to get a good vision of when stuff like that changes. And we we do asset management when you talk about like buying laptops, buying servers, physical things. But when you get into the virtual infrastructure, it's easy to grow your your attack surface and not even know it. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's a hard thing to monitor. I've I've yet to see a good product that just did a, a good job of doing that. Yeah, like uh, what's your favorite one right now? I don't have one. You don't have one. Oh, no, I mean serious. Like they like, all suck. <laughs> you know, it, you you talk about high privilege accounts. <clears throat> yeah. So you know, you don't want to give it like full admin access to your entire environment to scan and look for things. So you have to do read only admin type yeah. things or, or whatever, and and it still gets limited. And you can deploy things in so many weird ways now. It's true. Ways where like if you do a an AWS Lambda function, yeah, there is a server back there somewhere that's running that Lambda function, but it's not yours. It's Amazon's. 
you can't even see the server, but it's there. Uh, so you have to scan not for servers, but for Lambda functions. It's so much complexity. I don't know that it's possible to have a good... Wait a minute. I bet ChatGPT could... <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I think it's really hard to make a good tool that handles this. So highlighting the, the really big impactful ones like AD, mm-hmm. right? That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's probably other ones that are out there that it's just... It's a, a losing game. It, it's intimidating being uh, involved in cybersecurity. Done. This is why it's really hard yeah. to get those data breaches from your doorstep. Yep. That's that's why we have news every single week. That's right. <laughs> somebody, somebody told me the other day, it was like, man, I, I you know, uh, I would think that you would come to the end of these things that you guys talk about. And I'm like, we have to curate. <laughs> we have to cull the herd. There's so many things we could report on. Like, we just have to find the ones we find most interesting. Yeah. This week's pool, I think, was like 24 articles. Yeah. That we wow. pared down to three. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you guys aren't kidding, because I've seen the articles just steadily I, I go in there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's the value we create. That's the only value we create at Technado. Because <laughs> <is laughs> my, my personal news feed is hundreds of articles, and yeah. then I pare that down to 20 to 30 which we then pare down to the final six that usually make it in an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to cheat this week because Wes was here. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and Wes, thank you for joining us this yeah, week. Yeah, there were so many. I've got like 10 or 15 other ones that, you know, these were just some of the ones that I really liked. Um, there was a really good one uh, there, you know, uh, what does the cyber IT work uh, or cybersecurity workforce look like? And it was like, it's not what you think. And again, they're bringing in AI and a lot of buzzwords. So there were a lot of good uh, sessions out there. Well, not to put you on the spot on air, but I'm totally going to do it. Uh, do you want to come back next week and talk about some of the others? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah, we we'll probably make that work. Yeah. Actually, I'm yeah. going to be in the UK next week. So that's uh, kind of perfect then. Yeah, it might be perfect. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I, did you do it? I did. <laughs> you just didn't see it. I have no, no proof. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, uh, let me remind everyone that we have some upcoming events, right? I mentioned our day job a minute ago. We got to pay the bills somehow. Technado is absolutely free. One way that you can support us is by checking out ACI Learning. If you sign up for a subscription on ACI Learning or on the IT Pro TV website, you can check out with the product code Technado30, save 30% off the lifetime of your subscription for the lifetime, right? <laughs> for, for a long time. You get a discount. It's pretty sweet. Uh, but anyhow, that does help us to know that people are watching Technator. You can like and subscribe us on various social media channels like YouTube and wherever else we are. I know we're on YouTube. <laughs> are we on LinkedIn? I think we're on LinkedIn. Probably. Yeah, yeah. we're pretty... Uh, Check out our MySpace there. page and our Friendster <laughs> is blowing up this month. Oh, man. You definitely want to check that on, one out. Get on some ICQ. Yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can definitely do that. <laughs> Yahoo um, chat. <laughs> we have a webinar coming up and I have closed the webpage. It's on May 18th. What You knew what it was, Wes. What was the webinar? Yeah, um, I know Dan's. It, it's everything yeah. security with it's, a special guest. All things cybersecurity. Whatever. There we go. All things <laughs> we did really good on this one. With Naomi <laughs> Buckwalter. There you go. You Thank you, it. Christian, on our uh, production team who Absolutely. just threw that on the screen for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you fall down the stairs, as long as you land on your feet, right? That's it. You know, it's it's times like these where we appreciate all the work so yeah. far. <laughs> 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 keeping us on the air. She's uh, never allowed to take off again. <laughs> <laughs> like we, they could do without us any day of the week, but she is <laughs> the key. <laughs> well, uh, also, I would encourage you, our listeners out there, if there's a news article you hear about that you think we need to cover, even an old one that you just want to hear more about, 
shoot it over to us. If you go to technado.com or my favorite, techne.do, that you can uh, do a listener message right there. You can shoot us a message. We'll get it and uh, possibly report on it on air. If we do that, we'll send you some swag. Sweet Technado shirt. Not too uh, I don't even have a Technado shirt. I do. Or maybe I do. Yeah, I've got eh, one. I don't know. We'll I've see. got one. Uh, but yeah, so you can do that. It's cool. It's there. It's on the site. <laughs> I got stopped at Hackspace Con because I had... I think it was either Technator shirt or had the IT Pro TV, that that big one we give away in the like at the giveaways. Okay. And someone was like, Where'd you get that shirt? <laughs> and I was like, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I took it from some that's, guy. That's right. <laughs> Off my enemy dead. <laughs> <laughs> it had it didn't no longer had an owner, if you know what I mean. Spoils <laughs> of war. That's right. Just he had had shuffled off this mortal coil. <laughs> All right. Well, Wes, thanks again for joining Absolutely. us. Daniel, whatever. Yep. And uh, <laughs> right back at you, Don. <laughs> be sure to tune back in next week. We'll be back with more Technado. Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs>